Hello guys, welcome back to the Football Draft Podcast. If you haven't already, follow us on Spotify or subscribe if you're on iTunes or YouTube. You're here with myself, James, Ben and a returning member, Ross Wilders. However, this time he is doing the Football Draft Podcast on a permanent basis. Thanks for having me. Welcome Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Ross, we really enjoyed uh, having you on last time, and so now we're delighted to be able to welcome you as part of the football drafts on a permanent basis. Thank you very much. It's it's great to be here, and it's great to chat to you too. So uh, can't wait to um, see what the future podcasts have to hold. So yeah, very happy to be here. Uh, so yeah, Ross, as we welcome you into the football draft, uh, we have a good result that we can both be happy with. The Manchester derby happened at the weekend there. Great result for Man United. Yeah. 2-0 uh, win at the Etihad. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the result? Very happy. Shocked me. Shocked me, <laughs> certainly enough. Shocked me too. Um, <laughs> pretty sure we were all thinking 3-4, uh, maybe even 5-0 to Man City. But you know what? Fair play to you guys. Fair play. Do you know what, lads? Ollie has got Guardiola's number. I'm telling you. Um, he's got more wins than Guardiola has so I'm telling you but no it was it was a good performance overall however I th- you know I, I think the passing was a bit sloppy all round especially from the midfield and it's it's my constant problem with Man United at the minute is that we don't have a lot of creativity in the midfield and what I, I really hate seeing in the media is the um, I think the abuse that Bruno gets for being underwhelming in games but he is our high-risk, high-reward player. And so maybe when, when he's not getting the creativity behind him and similar players behind him, then, you know, it, it leads to mistakes. So I think that was a rig problem, you know, on Sunday. But overall, you know, I think the resilience the team showed to go out there and give it well and to end City's 21-game uh, uh, unbeaten run, I think is just a great feat and a great confidence booster ahead of very you know challenging games up ahead so yeah really happy really happy you mentioned the midfield and creativity there i mean was it almost inevitable that united were going to be sitting men 10 men behind 11 men behind the ball against man city and it was all about the counter and tell you what united took advantage of that in the second half with uh with uh, two early goals there and bruno fernandez we as arsenal fans tottenham chelsea whatever you know laugh about United getting penalty, but I don't think there's any debate there. That was a stonewall penalty. Really, really stupid from Gabriel Jesus. I think he lost the ball in the first place, and as most forwards do, they try and you know they're they're taught from a young age. You know, you know if you lose the ball, track back, try and get it back. And I think he just done a bit too much there. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, like Ross was saying with the with the midfield create creativity that was lacking. Uh, you could see that in the first half when we had chances to break and we just couldn't take advantage of it because we just gave the ball away with uh, people like Fred or McTominay not being able to find that pass that connects to then Bruno who can then create chances for Rashford, Martial or Dan James. But it was a perfect start to the game. We've run right at them. We're pressing highly. Uh, we get a break. Uh, Martial is able to have a wee run in the box and then there he is, Gabriel Jesus decided to try to defending even though there was plenty of other city defenders around him that he didn't even need to do anything because he was surrounded as it was he doesn't didn't seem to be going anywhere closer to the goal so uh i think it was very silly from gabriel jesus but uh, you know i'm not going to complain no neither am i man um and i just think as you said i did start but i just think that you know we were i constantly felt anyway after that we'd scored we were constantly in the back foot. And I know there's going to be times in that sort of game facing um, the quality of Man City's team that you're always going to sort of be on the back foot. And I get that. But what I particularly liked was the resilience that we did show. Dean Henderson, amazing game of football. I really, he deserves all the praise because 
particularly in the second goal um, you know he, he was about to roll it out to I think it was either Lindelof or Maguire and I thought no please don't do that I hate it when the defence do that it makes me so nervous so he hits a long throw and to be honest it's a ballsy throw because it, it, it can go sour very quick um, and hits it right to Shaw and Shaw um, arguably our player of the season next to Bruno it takes it up and storms through the midfield and I think it's it, you know he creates the chance assisted by Rashford and it's it's just a great goal, so I, I think that it, you know for 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 a lot of fans out there saying that we were very lucky to get the result, I would disagree because I think we showed real quality and we really get we really took it to City as teams should, you know you look at the way West Ham approached City the week before and I know they lost but they really showed that no matter who you are in the Premier League you can take a game to City and I think we benefited from watching that game and understanding do you know what we can do this and they went out and did it and I was just I was really it's one of those games um you're just really proud to watch and proud to say that you're a United fan you know but that's just me I don't actually remember that many clear-cut City chances to be honest um and I remember a few in the first half maybe Gundogan should have put one or two away but they, they were kind of half chances and there was one where, where the ball was kind of stuck under his foot and I kind of Dean Henderson predicted where it was going and two players that have been getting criticism from you guys is Lindelof and Maguire. But from a Arsenal fan watching the game, I thought they played all right and against one of the hardest attacks in the in the league. Yeah, they actually did. Um, there was parts in the game where I didn't like where it was going when uh, they tried to play at the back and try beat City's high press and trying to see Lindelof and Maguire who are quite slow and can be a bit lazy in a way on the ball uh, it was a bit nerve-wracking to watch but overall I thought we, we coped with what City were able to throw at us really well uh, like you said that the chances they had they were pretty much only really half chances they weren't like clear-cut chances that really put us in trouble Um so I thought with with Maguire and Lindelof they, they did kind of prove me wrong in a way but it's whether they can do that in consistently because I've not seen them play that well together in a long time normally they can be I don't know they can almost disadvantage each other like they don't help each other most of the time they can almost like prevent each other from playing well but I thought in this game they did really well and um, you know the defense the whole defense actually I thought Wan-Bissaka was a standard performer for me as well so the whole back line and then the keeper behind them with Dean Henderson I thought it was a really good game and they should really take take this game and think we can beat anyone in the league there's no reason why we can't maybe not push City because of the points difference but Make sure they secure that second place spot, and I, th- I think that Ollie has, has really done well with what he did in that game and the way he set it up. So I think I'm very proud of the game yesterday. I was really nervous before, but the game went really well, and I thought it was a near perfect performance, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned four players out of the of, out of the back five there, and then you mentioned Basaka, Henderson, Maguire, and Lindelof, and then Luke Shaw, maybe the last person you'd expect to get a goal against uh, in the Manchester derby. Fantastic finish. Anything to add to that, Ross? Yeah, I mean, it was, I believe, and don't, don't quote me on this, but I think it was Luke Shaw's first Premier League away goal. Um, I think I read that stat on Sky Sports. That that's just amazing for the fella, and he he's had such a journey, um, from a player who was, you know, well below average for a long time, and is now, 
coming into being the best left back in the Premier League at the minute anyway um, and I'll have a debate with anyone who uh, thinks different um, I can see you sort of shaking your head there James uh, uh, we can have a good discussion about that's that that's a very bold claim that's a very <laughs> well, bold I mean, claim you tell me who's a better left back at the minute and we'll have a discussion about it I'm telling you when you say at the minute do you mean at the minute of when he literally scored the goal then I won't argue with you <laughs> <laughs> no I mean in this current time no one is on better form no left back is in, in better form at the minute than Luke Shaw. Uh, I, I I don't think you can actually argue with that. Andy Robertson is probably a close second, even though he's been terrible this season as well. So um, I, I I don't I, I mean no I don't know I I, th- I think anyone who who doesn't think Luke Shaw is the best left back, uh, in not not only in the Premier League perhaps in Europe at the minute. Um, you know it, it's oh just unbelievable. I'm telling you, man. I'm t- see you're laughing at me. I, I'm telling you, man. Luke Shaw is unreal. And if it wasn't for Bruno, if it wasn't for Bruno, he'd be our player of the season. Um, I'm, I mean, there's a reason why he's won it before. You know, he's, a, he's an incredible quality and he's shown that now. And the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm sure Gareth Southgate was um, looking out for the game. I'm sure Luke Shaw is going to get that call up to that spot anytime soon. I'm telling you. Ben, as a, as a United fan, would you, <laughs> do you agree with that? I personally think it's a bit crazy. I'm going to have to put in a word and for, for Kieran Tierney. Oh. Look, I'm not, going, I'm not going to say he's the best left-back oh. at the minute. Now, Ben, I know you love both Luke Shaw and Kieran Tierney here, so we've put you on a spot. But all nah. I'm saying, I'd, I'd choose KT for my 11 any, any day of the week. I have to highly disagree with you there. <laughs> I mean... L- l- no, like you look at you look at Luke Shaw. I mean, look at where he's come from. I mean, when he signed from Man United, it was twenty-seven million. People were kind of laughing at it, being like, "He's not really proven himself yet. Why are you paying twenty-seven million for him?" Then he went and broke his leg, which was obviously uh, devastating, and it didn't look like he could come back to this point. And to reach this point from where he's come from, it, it's made that twenty-seven million look like a really good buy now. And he's still fairly young as well, so he's still got plenty of years left in him. And uh, this season, especially, he's he's definitely proved to Man United fans that he should be the starting left back, and he should he, he is. I don't want to say world class, but he's just been a level above the other left backs this year. And I don't know if maybe the signing of Alex Tellis has boosted him a little bit, but it just seems to be that he's just been so so good and so consistent as well. For a team at Man United to are inconsistent, he's always been a consistent a consistent performer. In all these times where we've drawn games or we've not been able to win these winnable games, that Luke Shaw just always been the player that looks like he, he wants to win the game, no matter what game it is, compared to other players who can seem a bit off it or or like they don't have that same desire to win. Luke Shaw always has it, and I think that's what puts him above the other players in the team, other than Bruno. So, for me, best left back in the league at the moment. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, but you made a good point there about that signing of Alex Tellez, and maybe. Maybe that did give him the sort of kick up the arse that he needed, um. You know, and I, I mean, you look at the the likes of McTominay, uh. You know who who has improved since the signing of Van de Beek, really for me. Um. So maybe that's another example. However, another one that maybe hasn't worked is the signing of Cavani. Um. You know, for Martial, that I don't think that's, I don't think that's really drastically improved Martial's quality. As good a game as he had. Uh, on Sunday, you know, I just don't think he's been fairly inconsistent. So you're right. Going back to what you said about Shaw, I think that that signing of Alex Tellers has definitely 
um, been a factor in his improvement this season um, and shown why at the minute, you know, and I'll have a debate with anyone, as I've said, he's the best left back in Europe at the minute. So that's me. A surprise player we saw in the lineup against City was Dan James. How did you guys think he performed? I thought he actually done all right. Yeah, in these types of games where you're playing a team that you'd think are, like in these big games, Man United like to, to sit back and encounter. And in these types of games, it's, it's the perfect game for Dan James. I mean, you know, he's he's got the pace. Uh, he's got the, the agility. So all it takes is to get him, give him the ball and then he can just go running, blasting down the wing. And no one's really going to stop him, I don't think. So in this game, I think he, he utilized his his attributes perfectly. Because uh, I mean, he's not he's not he's not big. He's not tall. He's not going to be able to outmuscle anyone. He's not going to be able to hold the ball up. He just knows that when he gets the ball, he's just going to knock it past the defender and just run. And I think in in a game like this, because I mean, he did it last season as well against Man City. Like it seems to be the perfect game for him because it means that he can just use. Because people say like, oh, without without pace, Dan James is nothing. I don't think he should be ashamed of that because pace is one of the most dangerous things for an attacker. So for him to have that in abundance, I mean, it just proves that in these types of games, he can be crucial in the lineup. And uh, for when we're trying to counter, I thought he was very important. And uh, I thought this was one of his best games uh, in the United shirt so far. I mean, I know he didn't score, or he wasn't really stand out, but just for what he does, I think it's one of the best games for him. Well, yeah. Man City like to push their fullbacks up forward a lot as well, don't they? So... I think maybe Ole was thinking something to give Zinchenko uh, something to think about, you know, when if you're Zinchenko and you're pushing up down the left and you know how quick Dan James can be, you're like, mm, maybe I'll just stay back on this on this one for, for a bit. Yeah, I know what you mean, and that sort of limits then their, their press. Um, I get what you mean. Um, I, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I, I like Dan James. He's very pacey, as Ben said, and that, that is a useful asset, but... To me, that's all he has, um, you know, and he's not a really a goal scorer. You know, he's not an out and out goal scorer. He can't, he doesn't have Greenwood's ability to create a goal from nothing. Um, you know, Greenwood's got the pace as well, um, and I think that just Greenwood's got that bit more quality. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you got to give the guy uh props for his performance on Sunday. I mean, um, you know, he looked really. James, he looked really dangerous uh, running down the wing. Um, and, I, 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 you know, he had Zinchenko on toast, really, for me. So, um, yeah, overall, good performance from James, but I don't see him as the long-term uh, winger. Uh, you know, it, it's definitely Greenwood as the, the long-term plan. I just hope Greenwood can improve. Um, uh, you know, I, I think Greenwood, uh, along with Marshall and arguably Rashford, um, they have been fairly underwhelming this season. Um, and I think it contributes to the ethos at United sometimes that we are relying too heavily on individual performances with the likes of Bruno and at times McTominay, Cavani. You know, um, I think we need to get out of that rut um, and perform more as a team. But, I mean, a perfect team goal was 2-0. Uh, you know, Dino's throw to Shaw. Shaw's storming up the pitch, past to Rashford, back to Shaw and goal. You know, it is a good team goal. But I just think we need to see more of that. I don't think we're seeing enough of it, you know. And especially in big games like this, where you need your whole team firing, just I think we need more consistency in that way. And I just hope we can provide that same level of team spirit against the likes of West Ham coming up soon and Inter Milan on Thursday night. Speaking of getting a team firing and being consistent, Liverpool here are crumbling week by week. Wow. I know. Uh, you know, after the game. 
six games in a row lost to Anfield now. Uh, and honestly, think thinking of what they achieved the last couple of seasons, Champions League and then the Premier League, no one could have anticipated this happening to Liverpool. But I, I don't know what they can do now to, to fix their problems because they, they don't really have anyone else they can bring into the team because all their injuries seem to be still long term. So I, I don't know what their solution is at this point. I saw a tweet on Twitter was saying like, oh, the Liverpool PR team better quickly post a video of Van Dijk doing runs up the up the train <laughs> up the training ground. Yeah, man. Um, like I, my brother's a Liverpool fan, and uh, he 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 was saying to me after the game, you know that uh, oh, it'll be lucky if we see European you know European football at all this season. Isn't is that just not a a, a crazy thing to hear Liverpool fans say? You know, last last season going on about you know. Uh, Premier League winners and uh and all this just being a superior team to crumble to fighting for Europa League place like that that just baffles me. I don't know what you think of that, but um you know it's a worse title defense than Moyes. You know, so it just it oh it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Do you think there's something more going on that we don't know about? Um, obviously. When when Liverpool started to get some bad results, there were news coming out that Jurgen Klopp's uh, mother had recently passed away, um, and that was like in the middle of like Van Dijk getting his injury, and then they had no centre backs to play. The new guy Kabak came in, didn't really do too well. Is there something more to that, or do you think it's simply that they're not able to play their first team? I mean, I, there is a lot of injuries, um, and I, th- I, I part of me thinks there's something about the coaching. The way it, it just like how many the, the amount of injuries they've had is just astronomical. I don't remember a team in in recent years anyway getting that many injuries and being plagued by them, because it's not only uh you know the likes of Van Dyke and Marip and you know they, they they've lost what four centre back options or something and they've played fourteen different centre back partnerships this season. You know I think it must be something that it can't be just a coincidence. It can't be just that they happen to be getting so many injuries for me. I think it's something in the coaching. It's something you know the conditioning of the players. Uh, you know I I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't. Uh, you know you could argue I don't know what I'm talking about, but I I do agree that there is something going on that maybe we don't know about. You know um, some things you can't tactically explain though is like Allison's mistakes. Like as a manager, as coaches, how how do you like eliminate that? You know individual errors are very hard to uh, tactically tactically analyze so there's always that it's, it's a type of thing that like they would do that thing 99 times out of 100 and they wouldn't do it but then just in a game it just happens so like you said it's something that they can't really coach because it's just so unfortunate and it's something that, that they don't normally do and whenever they're in training the the coaches wouldn't have seen that they, they, they wouldn't have seen mistakes like that that can cost games or and stuff like that but I mean, with the injuries as well, like people are trying to say you can't just blame injuries, but I think that's a bit unfair because it's not like I know like substitute players are or or that they're injured. It's literally like their first team centre backs and uh, their first team midfielders that are injured, and people are trying to say that the the forwards have been underwhelming. But you look at Sal, and he's still the the top goal scorer in the league. So you can't say that they're being underwhelming because they're clearly still scoring. So it's it is the defence, I think, and. To have Van Dijk, Gomez, uh, Matip, to have all of them out and Fabinho as well, it is something that it seems impossible to to get over because they just have to kind of mix and match whoever they've got available every week. So it's something that's 
I feel like is impossible for any manager to get through and, and actually cope with and, and still get results. Um, I, s- I saw a ridiculous stat online and I need one of you to yeah. confirm to me right. if it's true. It, is that Liverpool now six home losses in a row? Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. I think that's the first time it's ever happened in, in the club's yep. history. So Sure, there was the there was the gif of Neil Clapp when he was counting one, two, three, four, five, six European cups and it was like, Oh, how many unbeaten home uh, wins or home losses have you now, Jurgen? And it, oh man. You have to laugh, but it's just it's mental, you know. Wasn't it not that it was f- they'd never lost five in a row before? And yeah. now it's six. Yeah, so you know a creating history. It just <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, but I, I just think that um Injuries, yes, and I agree with what you mean, Ben. That you know, the Salah is still a top scorer in the league, so that in ways you can't say, Oh, well, he hasn't been underwhelming then because there are plenty of goals. But I just think you know, um, there has to be a mindset problem, and we see it on the pitch that you know, Van Dyke is such an influence both on the pitch and off. So to lose that influence, it would be like us losing Bruno, you know, uh losing that influence on the pitch affects morale and it affects the way that they play despite you know having the full front three there and you know having Fabinho back for a while anyway and you know I think it just it, 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 it's been a domino effect for them really um, and it's just led them down a hole now with six uh, games you know six game loss at home uh, you know it, it just it's baffling so really I think it's, it's more to do with morale and the way it's affected that, and that's where they are where they are. Liverpool losing Van Dijk would be as if um, if Man United lost Luke Shaw, no? Yeah, I mean, I only say Bruno is because, he, for me, he's the most influential player, but um, I get what you mean. Uh, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I do, I, I feel, I mean, as much as I can, feel sorry for them because I have no real emotional attachment with them, but as, you know, imagining United in that same position would be, you know, heartbreaking to see so many players injured when you know we could really make a push um and i see i've seen on twitter some people calling for jurgen klopp to resign i just think that's ridiculous you know it's it's one bad season uh you know before they've had so much glory and jurgen klopp's brought them to be a top european side again i just think it's ridiculous people calling for him to resign definitely absolutely changed the team from 180 really yeah i think so um but there's a lot of speculation now, and I mean, obviously it is at the minute because they're in a such a downward spiral, but there's calls now that after Jurgen Klopp, his contract ends, that he won't renew it, and then he'll look to see a different challenge. So it could be Liverpool, but, you know, not, it, it, we could see a return to mid, you know, mid-table, you know, fighting for top four Liverpool side. You know, they are an Asian squad after all. You know, so uh, maybe they've passed their prime. You know, would that be fair to say, or do you think that's sort of too soon? I don't know. Uh, I saw. I don't know if you guys saw it as well, but uh, Jamie Carragher after the film game said that Liverpool last season were uh, mentality mentality monsters, but now they're mentality midgets. So yeah. it, it seems to be that like their their mindset from last season they were like, oh, like you know, we're one of the best teams in the world, and now they're like, can we even beat Fulham at home? And then, but do you think that a factor could be with the with the Anfield, you know, the drop off of form, especially that? Do you think the f- having no fans affects that? Because if you think about it, if if Liverpool were one 0 down to Fulham and fans were there, and and they didn't show any response, the the fans would be furious. The fans would like the fans would not accept that if they were in the stadium. 
So do you think maybe with the Anfield issue that if they had the fans that they wouldn't have been on this in this really bad run of, of losing games or, or do you think that's a bit I mean look, it's every team is facing that and Ollie Ollie said that you know at the sort of the middle of 2020 about the fans uh, affecting games and he got absolutely hammered for it in the media saying oh Ollie's making excuses so that is not even something to consider uh, we've had so it's been a year now um, since fans left the stadiums so I mean that's no excuse I mean they won the Premier League with no fans you know so I mean I think that's just ridiculous to think that that's any sort of influence and needing fans really to get motivated to beat Fulham you know and we, we've suffered some terrible losses ourselves this season getting beat 2-1 by Sheffield you know you know all teams go through that you know so that's not something you know that I really blame on you know a lack of fans but I just think that it's not even worth you know using as an excuse because all he tried to you know was saying that at the beginning of the year about um United suffering the same thing and sure look where we've come we're performing even better than we were so it's a, it's a factor for everyone you know nah nah yeah. not for me. I, I do I do think though it's about uh mentality though I would agree because uh once you start to question your own ability which I think Liverpool players are doing at the moment. That that's when that's when you know you, you you've fallen hard. Uh, like Gary Neville said, uh, normally once a team wins a league title, they can have a little bit of a drop off. But for Liverpool, mm-hmm. it's like a total collapse. It's not even a drop off. It's a total collapse. And I just feel like now they're they're starting to to question certain things in their own minds. And I I, I think it will be something very difficult to get through. Uh, so. I don't know. We'll, we'll just see what happens in the latter end of the season. Exactly. Remember that season from Chelsea? I can't remember if they had just won the league or not, but they were uh, fighting for relegation. Yeah. Was that was that after a, a league title win? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I think so. Mourinho, yeah. Mourinho won the won the league, and then in the season after, it just seemed all of a sudden like he'd lost the dressing room, or or the players just dropped off, and they ended up being in sixteenth, I think. When when they when they got rid of him, so I mean it can happen. But when you look at this Liverpool team and, and what they achieved in the last two years, it's like I just don't think anyone would have thought that this could have happened to them. Because I mean they're not down in sixteenth or whatever, but like it has still they been. They did just they, win they, the Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> let's also not forget about that. Exactly. So I don't know. It, it seems to be something that because the Liverpool team wouldn't have expected it. I think I think that's what made it worse. So now they're, like I said, when they're questioning their own minds, maybe they're thinking like, how do we actually get past this? Like I never thought this could happen to us. So then, how are we gonna get you know through it? And how are we gonna start winning games again and get that confidence back? I don't know. It's it's something that no one would have anticipated. So it's something that I don't think anyone knows the solution to to get past it. It's something that just needs to to happen and and happen fast for for Liverpool's sake. But. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, you know, they have so much quality in that team when all their players are there. You know, um, and I, I have no doubt next season that with, you know, their better players back, better mentality, a fresh start, you know, no doubt they'll come out of the gates um, and they'll be a better team. But I think really for, for this season now for Liverpool, it's more about getting Champions League football. Um, And I know that's always been the priority, but I think it's really set in stone now that they cannot afford to lose any more games and they, I mean practically I don't know what they do to change the way they're going because they're not going to get these players back anytime soon so they need to 
um, work with what they've got. But I think it just requires, you know, a get up and get on with it type attitude. You know, f- from the looks of it, it's just very much, um, you know, feel sorry for us. And, you know, we've had so many players gone and, you know, uh, and, you know, tragedy struck the club. And that and you understand that. But there's a certain element of football where you go through hard times, you know, and, and you just have to keep going. I mean, I've, as a United fan, I've suffered seven years of it um really and it it's you just have to get up and get on with it and it, it makes those moments of success in your club all the better whenever you've been with your club through the hard times liverpool fans just need to shut up and get on with it you know what i mean speaking of suffering uh, for 7 years try suffering through a minute of jacka's uh, mistake <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh god I'm really that trying was, with I, these transitions here, by the way. How how are they going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that works for me. Um, oh no, man! Uh, I I actually pissed myself. It was so funny. Oh man, it was just like that. That I mean, Harry Maguire doesn't do that, and to me, Harry Maguire's terrible at times. You know, that, that's that's awful, man. And you know, whatever I think about your club in general, I don't particularly like Arsenal, but. Like, oh God, that's just, it's absolutely terrible, that is. That's, that's just... stuff you see on, like, people recording like FIFA glitches or uh, yeah, football that's, manager That's mishaps. Sunday league football, that one. That's Sunday league football. That, that would happen in Sunday league. Xhaka should just go to the sun, play for a Sunday league team. That's terrible, man. There's a debate online uh, and with fans whether whose mistake it was, Leno's or Xhaka's. My stance is that I think it's... If not completely, almost completely Xhaka's fault there. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't blame Leno. And people are saying, well, Leno should be able to analyse the game and and boot it up the pitch, basically. However, if you actually uh, snapshot the, the camera when Xhaka received the ball, he could have easily passed it across to David Luiz first time, which he's done on multiple occasions. And for what reason there, he decided to take an extra touch, which caused uh, all sorts of trouble. And to add to that, he called for the ball in the first place from Leno. So he obviously was comfortable enough in himself to play the pass. What do you guys think? Yeah, I watched the game. Uh, Well, I I mean, I didn't watch the... the most of the second half, but I'd watched at least the first 60 minutes. And from when I saw it, Arsenal Arsenal just had gone through a really good half and they were only a couple of minutes from half time. And they were getting praise from even the commentators and and stuff uh, during the game. And then... I was just sitting there watching it, and, and I just see I just see Jacques make that mistake, and honestly, like I I I couldn't comprehend what had just happened because you had to look twice. Yeah, like, you were like I couldn't believe it because it's something that you just don't see many professional players do, or professional players shouldn't be doing anything like that at all. Like it should be something that they never make, and and they can make it at amateur level when they're growing up, but at professional level, like that's something that shouldn't be happening. Uh, and this whole debate whether it's Leno or Xhaka's fault, I feel like they're doing that just to try get get it off Xhaka's back when I think everyone knows like that is Xhaka's fault, but they're trying to make this debate so it makes neither of them look as bad. But for me, it's it's Xhaka's fault, and I, I think it's something that I don't not maybe take responsibility for the result as a whole, but. At least for the fact that, literally, like I said, Arsenal were like two minutes away from going in one nil up at half time, and I feel like that's something he probably just had to to raise his hand and say, like, "Come on, that that was me, sorry." 
Like I, I called for the no, ball. I, I think he did do that on social media. I can't remember what it was, Instagram or whatever. He he basically said it was my fault for the goal and apologized to the fans. I mean, it's a shame, really, because I actually thought Jacques has been quite consistent this season, and um, I was about to praise him uh, in in this episode, saying how consistent he is and doesn't get the recognition that he he deserves because. If you remember two years ago, Xhaka was very reckless, committing fouls all over the park. His He was very inconsistent. But this season under Arteta, so far it was good until that mistake. Well, but that being the key words, until that mistake. And it just got me thinking, is that always going to be within Xhaka? Like, if you play Xhaka, you are automatically gambling that um, something like that could happen again. Um, I mean... I'm not a big fan of him as a player anyway, but it's one mistake. It's every player is capable of a massive blunder. You know, the the amount of blunders that Harry Maguire has made that's led to goal and he's Man United's captain. So, I mean, it's not anything that's going to stick with him or, you know, uh, what I actually had a bigger problem with for Arsenal, uh, it's not even the goal itself. It was actually the response afterwards going in second half. I just thought, you know, they actually didn't show the resilience of the team to go, do you know what, you know, there's a mistake made, let's just chug it off, go out there and get another goal. Because, I mean, you know, you're not really happy with a 1-0 anyway. Do you know what I mean? That That's not a sign of a, of a, you know, a great performance. So really, you should always be pushing for two or three goals. So to not, to go out there and, you know, have a, a goal as half uh, in the second half after what had just come at them, I just think it's a bit... You know, they should be, you know, aiming higher, really, Arsenal as a team. But Hopefully we can um, do better in the upcoming Europa League game against Olympiacos. And of course, we also have United against Milan on Thursday. Um, any opinions on that? Pre-predictions, previews on the, on the game? Uh, I want to look at both of those uh, fixtures, uh, those uh, matchups. Uh, I look at it and think that the two English clubs should be going through. I mean, you look at Milan and the success they're having in, in Italy at the moment, but I, I always back that uh, English football is, is always uh, superior to to any of the football levels in, in Europe. I mean, obviously, teams like Bayern Munich and PSG at the moment, I would say, would beat a lot of the teams. Like I think they would beat Man United. I think they would beat uh, Chelsea, Tottenham. Uh, Arsenal, um, obviously Liverpool at the moment, um, but a team like Milan, I feel like the top the top teams in England should be beating them, uh, regardless of how well they're doing in Italy. I, I just feel like the level of quality in, in in a team like Man United should always be superior to a team like Milan. I mean, obviously, in, back in the day, they had uh, Ronaldinho, Kaka, uh, and and Zaghi, players like that, but. That that was the best they were ever going to get. I think I don't think they'll reach to that point. I mean, I know they've got Ebra and stuff at the moment, but no, he's reaching the end of his career. Uh, so I view that as a tie that both English clubs should should be winning those and progressing into the into the latter rounds of the competition. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, Ebra's going to miss the first half uh, or first leg, I believe, due to a calf injury. Um, which is always you know good to see because I think Ibrahimovic especially against United would be the type of game he'd show up, um, you know and and would score a few, um. So to be honest, I'm predicting a really chaotic game. I'm predicting a really really goalful three two to Man United. 
Um, I just think it's going to be a crazy game. It's going to be one of those ones that's um, Man United. It's going to be similar, I think, to the United and Liverpool game in the was the FA Cup, um, the 3-2 yeah, uh, at Cup. Old Trafford. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be a chaotic game and come really right down to the wire. Um, you know, I th- United coming off this 2-0 win to City, I think... Um, I think they're going to be um, very happy to go out there and press Milan high. So hopefully, I'm you know I'm, I'm predicting maybe a three two because I still don't back our defense. You know, even after the performance, I don't back them. Um, and I think it'll be we'll concede a lot of goals. It'll just be who can score more. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, that's just me. I think it'll be a fairly easy two nil United win against Milan. I think something uh, what. What usually happens when a when a Premier League side plays against a Serie A side is, no matter how good uh, either teams are, the intensity of the press and, and passing is always going to be superior. And what tends to happen is the Italian sides just can't keep up, really. Yeah, I, I've not. Admittedly, I've not watched much of uh, Italian uh, football this season, so I haven't seen too much of of Milan. But I, I've I've been hearing, and even just by looking at the table. Uh, you can see they've been doing well, but uh, you know Italy are always known for having uh, I don't know defensive tactics and and setups and stuff. I mean, you look at Antonio Conte; uh, he he thrives off of uh, defensive setups as well at, at Inter, uh, and even at Chelsea when he was at Chelsea, he, he had the same kind of a view on it. Always playing like uh, a three at the back that could then be a five at the back uh, when defending. So it's always the type of thing that a lot of Italian teams like to like to use um, but I, I would agree with you about the, the, the pressing and the intensity that I don't think they'll be able to keep up with it and uh, I think we'll win 3-1 uh, I think uh, I think we'll still concede because uh, like Ross said uh, our, our defence there's still a lot of, of doubts over consistent clean sheets and, and stuff like that against the, the big teams but I also agree with them that that from winning the Manchester Derby going into this game, I think it'll be a massive confidence booster and it'll give them extra motivation after going through a rough period where they couldn't score. But then to go score two goals and win the game, keep a clean sheet against the best team in the league, that can only do amazing things to a player's confidence after after a tough three or four game run. Like that would just be that should give them a total switch in in their in their mindset and. Their, their confidence so I back Man United to, to, to win the game yeah and I mean I, I see what you mean and I see that but I mean you look at the way that um, we, we beat PSG uh, convincingly enough and we had a great defensive performance we beat Leipzig had a great defensive performance and then have an absolute howler Istanbul Basakshir you know and we're not able to score um, we have complete open gaps in the defence so really where's the consistency with this defence because it always seems to me that we turn up for the big games and then we let our guard down when we think, you know, oh, no, we'll win. That, that's just the way it seems to me. And maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, I, I worry sometimes about the consistency of the whole team, yes, but particularly about the defence. And that's why, as I say, every time I see Lindelof and Maguire, my heart sinks. So I'm just hoping that where, whether he chooses Lindelof and Maguire or I think he'll choose Maguire and Bay, that we just have a consistent performance whoever it is you know what i mean um and i just hope we get that so 
I get what you mean because uh, we, we beat Southampton 9-0 and, and we looked unstoppable in front of goal and then and then we went and drew our next game as well. So that's another example of, of the inconsistency. But uh, looking at the, the Arsenal tie, James, how are you feeling? Because I know that Olympiacos have been uh, a bit of a, of a struggle for Arsenal before. So if you, do you have any doubts or are you confident, nervous? Uh, what do you think? Look, I'd be very surprised if we don't go through in this tie against Olympiacos, but they are a bit of a bogey team for us. Um, I think they knocked us out last year as well. I think it was last year. And uh, we've. I remember a few years back when Giroud was playing for us, he had a shocking game against Olympiacos. It, so this tie certainly has history, but I hope we're past that. We can uh, move on from the Burnley game and look at this as an opportunity to get into the Champions League. I expect nothing less from the players. Um, be interesting to see if Xhaka starts after that mistake, to be honest. And yeah, I think it'll, it should be a straightforward win. We're at home, I think. Uh, not too sure for the first leg. I'll go for a nice uh, 3-1 to Arsenal. For that game, I I think I think Xhaka has to start though, in my opinion, um, because I feel like if he doesn't start, no matter what he might have been told behind the scenes, um, I I think if he doesn't start, it would just I don't know his mindset would be like, well, I made one mistake and and suddenly like I don't deserve a start or uh, I'm now booted out of the team. Uh, I think it would just ruin his confidence a little bit. Uh, so I think he does need to continue starting to to get over it, forget about it. Because I feel like if he doesn't, then it would just come into his mind again. Like, oh, this must be the reason or is this the reason or uh, have I just ruined my starting spot and stuff like that. So I, for me, I feel like he has to start and to get over it. The same with Alisson at Liverpool. Like when, when he made those mistakes, he just continued playing and uh, got over those mistakes against City and, and Leicester. So I just feel like when a player does individual mistakes like that, no matter who it is, I feel like they have to, to continue playing to... To, you know, to get over it and, and just get back to the, their normal their normal play. So, what's your prediction for the game? Uh, I see. I, d- I definitely think Arsenal will win. Uh, I could see a, th- a three 0 win just in in the first leg alone. I think Arsenal could could be a bit ruthless, to be honest. I feel like they could take advantage of of this game. So I, I see a three 0 win in, in just the first leg and and prevent any away goals for Olympiacos. I'm hoping that you know. Um... Well, I'm not hoping I don't really mind, but um, you know, after after your game against uh, well, at the weekend, I, I think he's um, he's need to come out all guns blazing. Really, I could see a two 0 two one maybe to yourselves. Um, also, you know, I, uh, I, I've just confirmed it here. Arsenal are starting the first leg away, so um, oh, correct that. Yeah. Um. Well, even so, I mean, I don't really see. Well, maybe so. Then maybe maybe a two-one to Arsenal it would be probably fair. Um, two away goals, then going to the Emirates, then in the next tie, you know. So, I I I think it's not going to be. I would be very surprised if this is where you ended your campaign, uh, in the Europa League. I'd be very surprised. So, um, as much as you know, you are a team that are capable of making mistakes. In the same way, maybe that we are. You know, I think you have better quality than Olympiacos, and you you will. You'll you'll outclass them really, uh, over two legs. So yeah, two one, two one. I think the Arsenal on Thursday. Okay, I've been very supportive of Arteta ever since he joined. However, if 
Arsenal do exit the competition at this stage against Olympiacos. I think maybe for the first time you'll start to see uh, people's opinion change on Arteta, which I would disagree with. But this would be the first time that I anyway would start feeling a bit, um, hold on a second here, we've got to be doing better than that. Yeah, especially since uh, we discussed the last time how this should be where Arsenal... uh, maybe throw all their eggs in one basket and, and go for it because uh, we mentioned last week this could, this is their most realistic way to, to get uh, Champions League football again for next year. Uh, so I think he does have to prioritise Europa League so he does have to to be strong and, and, and get things right in this competition because if he doesn't and like you said if they, if they exit the, the competition now and then, and then don't make top four then, like you said, there could be doubts over Arteta. I, I still wouldn't agree with that. I think there's plenty of good things you've seen from Arsenal under him to, to see where where they can go with uh, a bit more time, maybe a couple more signings and such. But I feel like for for the Europa League, I think they will progress because this is where they'll they'll t- prioritise in terms of their their upcoming fixtures for for the rest of the season uh, over the league since. They'll, they'll be desperate to make Champions League football. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think it's it would be very lousy to get rid of Arteta at this very early stage. I think he needs um, I think he needs time, um, and I think he needs a very you know a, a good transfer window to get in players, you know, better quality players. Maybe um, I don't know exactly what areas of the pitch. Maybe maybe James, you're you're better answering that. You know, but what areas of the pitch specifically, and who you're who you would be targeting um as prime candidates to you know. Uh, to get in there but I just think that he needs more time and if if you're looking then maybe next season and the results are similar and you know we don't you don't see that sort of um uptake in quality then maybe it is time to reassess and get someone else in but yeah yeah and just to touch on some Champions League games coming up this week as well uh should we fire some of uh, our predictions quickly for some of the games Ben if you could remind me uh the games that are taking place uh, I know that this week coming up, uh, there's uh, Liverpool against Leipzig and uh, PSG against Barcelona second leg. Uh, so Liverpool are 2-0 up currently, two away goals, and then PSG 4-1 up, four away goals. So uh, those are the games happening this week. And then there's still Chelsea against Atletico to come uh, next week. A comeback for Barca? Too, too much of a... not too far? It's too much much to ask, I think. Uh, Yeah, don't see it. Yeah, I mean, Messi can can do magical things on a football pitch, um, but to try to say, go on, get... Because they need need four away goals, because even if they win 3-0, a four-all on aggregate, but with PSG scoring four uh, at at the new camp, then they they need to score four and, and concede no more than one to even have a chance to go through, so... It's way too much to ask, in my opinion. Do you guys know if Neymar is back for the second leg? I've no idea. Um, um, seen, I, I didn't. I didn't even know he was injured, to be honest, for the first. So when he wasn't, <laughs> when he wasn't in the team for the first leg, I was like, "Where's Neymar?" And then I went up and looked, and he was injured. But I, I don't know how long it is for. So. I mean, I I don't know PSG's team team all that well, but it just shows you the impact that Mbappe has when he can do that without Neymar. Um, you know, he's just a superb quality player. Um, and Mbappe is a young player. He's just a young kid that's come up from the ranks, and he's twenty two. Like he doesn't play football like a twenty two year old to me. Um, he's so mature for his age. So 
really. I, I just can't wait to see what the future holds for him. And, you know, it, it, amazing quality. And we'll see what happens. Personally, I don't think that there's any signs of a comeback for Barca this week. Um, I could even see a 2-0 PSG. 2-1, maybe. So, yeah, it's, it's PSG's to win, really. Yeah, I'm going to go for a 3-1 PSG against Barca. Yeah, uh, okay. I'll I'll probably say three three nil. I think uh, it'd be <laughs> another Mbappe hat trick. I'll be mental if he scores another hat trick. That is going to blow up the internet. Yeah, it will. It really will. I mean, it'll be even more dangerous if Neymar is back because then that will just I don't know. It could be anything if Neymar's back, but I think it'll be three nil. If you're Mbappe through one on one against the Barca keeper. Uh, you've already grabbed a brace. Uh, Neymar, who's your teammate, who's come back from injury, hasn't got a goal yet in the game. Uh, do you do you do you slide it across Neymar while you're one on one against the keeper, or do you get your hat trick? Get the hat trick. Yeah. Nah, yeah, hat trick. Yeah. No debate there. Yeah, get get the headlines for yourself. Another hat trick well, against so, Barcelona. Ne- Neymar's had plenty of headlines himself. On he he's had plenty of stuff. I'm sure he'll understand. You know. You say <laughs> think, that, but. If if Mbappe had two goals already under his belt and he could have got the hat trick and he he slides a pass to Neymar, knowing that it would it means he wouldn't get the hat trick. I reckon that would actually get more headlines than him bagging a hat trick. People would be like, "Oh my goodness, this kid is um, he's got everything. He he's a team player. He can get goals." What do you think? I mean, I know I, what you I, mean, but there's something special about a two hat tricks two weeks in a row. Like, yeah, you know, there's against just something Barcelona. special about that against Barcelona. You know that nah, all about the hat trick for me. Sorry, Neymar, but uh, <laughs> two hat tricks. Great, and um, the Liverpool Leipzig game is is also on this week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's just that's a scary one for me because uh, they're they're two 0 up Liverpool two away goals, but. With their home form, like could we actually see them them crumble and and lose that and and go out or, or can they? Because I don't know if they'll win the game actually. Because if they're losing to teams like Fulham and they just have zero confidence, uh, a team like Leipzig who who beat Man United uh, when they played them, uh, they beat uh, a few good teams last year when they were in the Champions League. So it could actually be very tense for Liverpool fans and 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 stuff because I think it could be quite close I think it, it could go to extra time even I wouldn't be surprised if Leipzig win the game 2-0 and it goes to extra time and then who knows what would happen from there so no that's no nah. I, I, I think really um, a 1-1 is maybe a fair result I think that, you know it, it could be something where um, Leipzig score early on and then keep the press up and then Liverpool bag an equaliser and that's really it. I don't. I don't. I, I don't really see um a, a Leipzig one either. Just because Liverpool do turn up for those big games, so really I think it's I think it's got a one one written all over it or even a nil nil, you know. But either way, I think Liverpool is going through. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, same here. I think it will be a two nil Liverpool against Leipzig. I think players normally tend to go in with a different attitude when it's a different competition. They're on a bad run in the Premier League, but they're going to look at the Champions League as a new slate uh, to, to, to go in with a whole new mentality. I don't think they'll struggle against Leipzig, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting, though, uh, to see how Liverpool react from their league form to then see what they do in the Champions League. Uh, but I still back that it could be really close and Leipzig could come back from that. Uh, but looking at the, the other game that's on in next week, though, uh, is the Chelsea Atletico second leg. Obviously, Chelsea 1-0 up 
uh, away goal as well. Uh, how do you guys view that one? I don't know. Um, I think uh, Atletico could give them a good go. Um, you know, not expecting um, the result that it was previously. So um, I think that'll be an interesting watch, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I could see Atletico scoring, but um, I don't know. I, I could see maybe a, a 1-0, 2-0 Atletico, you know, um, depending on. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a 2-0 Atletico, really. I was going to go 1-0 Atletico. Um, I want to see Suarez uh, bag a goal against Chelsea for some reason. Mm. Yeah, he could. Um, because, and I mean, what a move that guy's had, you know, uh, to to Atletico. It's 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 been a great move for him, and I can't believe he was let go for so little. Um, it was a free transfer, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I think Barca told him that they didn't want him anymore, and so he just went to Atletico for free, and then now he's the top scorer in the league there. So. It's ridiculous, yeah. And imagine Suarez, the way he's playing with Atletico, playing for Barca. You know, I mean, if Barca st- had still wanted him, then he, he you know, he, he'd uh, he'd save them a few games. You know, he, you know, he'd be the a determining factor in a lot of games that maybe haven't gone Barca's way this season. So, but, I, I but d- there you go. I don't get how any club could say to Luis Suarez that they don't want him. Like I don't get how any club could be comfortable enough to say. You know, Luis Suarez, uh, you're not really cutting it anymore. I don't want you here. And then they let him go for free. When like to the, a rival. Yeah, exactly. To, and the quality of player he is, like, I'd, I'm just baffled that they were comfortable letting him go like that when he's still a quality player. And he would have, he would definitely have saved uh, a few games for Barca this season where uh, they've dropped off a little bit. So I, I'm just still baffled about how how they let that happen. But. So so wait, James. You said you said one nil. So do you back it to go to extra time? Yeah, I should give a penalty prediction as well. Maybe. <laughs> um, I think Atletico are going to go through. I yeah, do. I think it's I have pe- a gut feeling. Penalties are almost uh, impossible to predict, really, because anything can happen in penalties, no matter what team you are. When it gets to penalties, it's anyone's game, really. So it'll be. Yeah. I wouldn't mind it going to penalties. So I, I like a good penalty shootout in in big games like I'd- this. Yeah, and especially when you're the neutral, it's horrible when it's you know it's United or for James when it's Arsenal. But I mean, a, a good neutral penalty shootout yeah. when it's a big high stakes game is really fun. So I want yeah. to see Timo Werner taking the the last pen for Chelsea. In this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. deciding pen comes down to Timo Werner, yeah, the, the crucial one that that would really show <laughs> where his where his heads at if if he was given the the deciding penalty of the game. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, it'll be interesting to see how United, Milan and Arsenal Olympiacos go uh, this Thursday and of course the Champions League matches we just mentioned. Um, Another welcome, again, just a reminder, Ross, welcome to the Football Draft team. Glad to have you on. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. It's been been a great show today. Thanks. I've really enjoyed it. Great discussion and uh, can't wait to get discussing more in the next few weeks. As always, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube or iTunes and remember to look out for our our episodes every Wednesday. Yeah, see you guys later. Take care.